Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles in the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Slackers. Brad, how you doing? I'm doing as well as I can be, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, been an interesting day, to say the least. But uh, I'm here. It was a nice uh, nice weekend, and so got to take advantage of that a little bit, doing a little bit of work around the house, working on the Jeep pickup and getting that going temporarily. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was good. How about how about you guys? How are you doing, Addison? Pretty good. Yeah, I know uh, You know, we had a, a super brief podcast out last week after memorial day but getting into that you know yeah had some time to work on the bike got uh got the timing chain back in the flywheel on the gladiator motor is all but buttoned up i've got to clean up and and throw the rear case on and then get real specific on the stator and make sure that's all installed correctly uh but the the ball is rolling there had a chance to go out for a ride went on a a father-son memorial day ride that was pretty fun uh went out around through Lyle and up through the Klickitat and some really nice areas here uh, in the northwest right there in the gorge. So saw some good scenery, got to do some good twisties and, and really kind of just take it easy. Obviously, when you're riding with with the chicken wing, uh, it's, you know, not 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 a race in any way. So just good, uh, good relaxing ride. Enjoyed the uh, the weather and the scenery. It's getting real nice out here. Not too hot, not too cold, but real sunny lately. So it's been good, yeah. A lot of moto time, but uh, trying to also get that shop time in because listening to uh, to the new owner of that chicken wing run around when uh, when Chicken Hawk's riding it, I do miss that exhaust note and having a, a more open exhaust on this engine here on the Gladiator is going to be an enjoyable ride. Yeah, yeah. So how did uh, Chicken Hawk like the uh, group ride? I know that that was one of his complaints when he came back from his solo ride. How'd that go? Well, it wasn't. I mean, it was really just the two of us, so I don't know how group it was. It was. But I think he enjoyed it. Else. Come on now. That's fair. I think he enjoyed it. He's, uh, you know, it's still, I think he'd prefer to have comms. In fact, I know he'd prefer to have comms, and that's one thing that's on his short list here of, of things to go for uh, so that he can, you know, have somebody to talk with while we're riding. I can see the benefit of that. I think uh, you, you know, you and I have we talked about this before, but you and I have talked about getting it just so that we can, you know, both chat as well as record and get information while we're on the bike. I think there's some benefit there for for us and for the podcast and for our listeners. But I think that there's also, you know, there's a reason for that, and I could see that being really fun. So you know, if he gets communication system, I, I'm probably likely to follow close behind. Uh, but I think you and I should uh, should coordinate with that so that whatever I get works well with whatever you'll get in the future so we can have that uh, that added benefit there as well wait 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 so you're saying that whatever chicken hawk gets then you're gonna get and then assuming that that's the right system for us we're going to then adopt it for the podcast is that what i'm hearing no i'm saying whatever he gets i'll make sure i get a compatible version that works for you and i oh he's got a helmet that has a it's the new hjc helmet it actually has a spot that there's a Senna 10 that uh, that plugs right in. It's an HJC, you know, partnered version okay. that plug and plays. So there's no, you know, my helmet does not meet, 
meet the same requirements. I can't get exactly the same thing he's got anyway. Nor, based on what he's looking at getting, do I want. I think I want more of a pack talk conversation come where we can have multiple units, not just two or four, but a daisy-chained version. Mm. Where if we had a big group and everybody had comms, or if we joined a group with comms, we could have a, a line of people that could all be uh, be chained up as necessary. No, that's interesting. I mean, I, for the podcast, we talked about it and the opportunities there. And, and I guess there's times where it would be nice to, to be able to talk with people around you, just point something out and communicate other than using make-believe sign language while you're going 60 miles an hour or down the road or so, right? So, so I mean, it could be good. But then again, you know, there's times where I just want silence. So I, I don't know. It's debatable, right? So... Anyway, I agree. I, I actually enjoy the, the peace and quiet of writing. And I know, again, we've talked about all this, but I, I can see the benefit of it, too, especially if we're starting to do more group rides and starting to do more bike reviews and things like that to be able to <laughs> have that on hand recording and, and a microphone <coughs> and all that ready would be good. You all right? Uh, yep. Yeah, I thought you'd just delete that out, but we'll make it a part of this podcast. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> we don't hide anything. <laughs> We're, we are just as dumb in real life as you're getting here. There's very little editing on our stupidity. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so so it sounds like you guys had a good ride, though. He's wanting comms. He wants to talk more. Man, he just should have got a gold wing. Yeah, there's some of that. He should have just gone all out and because he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to spend the $30,000. It's just a matter of time. So I, I, I put my money on in the next two years. No, oh, I think so. I think so too. I don't know that he, uh, I don't know that he'll go for the gold wing or, but I, I don't know that this will last too long. I guess Ooh, depends are on you how he's going to go Harley. Is he going to do that? That's interesting. I, he likes Indian. I like Indian. I could see that. Now, We've already prefaced it last week, so this seems like the best segue we're going to have. And the best way to bring in a segue for all the listeners is to mention that you're bringing a segue in. I know that's the best way to do it. But, we're bringing uh, in a segue. <laughs> nonetheless, the, uh, this gets into the conversation I, I think we, well, I know that we want to have. So, I want to write a segue. Well, yes. I, I think segue tour is the only way to visit cities. Okay. But beyond that, we uh, we're we're talking about Harley Davidson, and there's been. I mean, I guess let, let's get into the background. Let, let's do this legit. We're gonna have a long conversation. Harley Davidson's had struggles. That's not a new novel thought. We know that Harley always talks about their sales are low, their volumes are low. They tried a couple things. Their first step was really to to knock out the uh, the smaller. I guess not a smaller market, the huge market that is outside of the U.S., but on smaller bikes. Uh, so they started there, you know, with 500 or 750. They've got their little bikes, their little street bikes uh, that they've released out there. You can buy them in the U.S. as well, but they don't push them so much here. Next step from that was new novel, increasing their ridership to a younger generation, right? They've got the Pan America that comes out next year. They've got the Bronx that comes out next year, kind of their street fighter. Uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be an FXR competitor because it's not really a tracker but same idea they've got the new version of of their street bikes and then they've got uh you know the uh the live wire that they've already released and, and you can buy today so they're trying to bring in you know step step one was get outside of the u.s step two is increase 
interest in bikes with new novel ideas, at least for Harley. I mean, the cross-country off-road bike's not a new and novel idea. That's been around in many other companies forever, but it's new for Harley. Uh, but just recently, with all the changes and, and after all this COVID issue, they've basically, they got rid of their CEO. Got an acting CEO. Yes. Yeah, I know. It was, it was a shocking announcement because a lot of this just happened with regards to new changes and, and things like that. But the acting CEO's got a success in other countries, a lot of, a, a list of successes on his belt from other uh, other companies, I think I said countries, but other companies prior. Uh, and he's basically come out with a couple of blanket statements. One, that Harley Davidson is going to go back to the basics, back to what they know. And two, they're going to focus on what sells and what makes money for Harley. Now, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I mean... To your first point, you had mentioned the Pan America and the Bronx. Are, are those within that realm? Do they meet that first point, or are these not even going to make it to production? Just out of curiosity, that comes to my mind. So in prepping for this, I did look it up, and they are still showing a release date in 2021. They are expected to be released even after these announcements. It is still on Harley-Davidson's radar to produce and release these bikes. Right. Well, there's a lot of investment going into that. So I could kind of see yep. that, right? They've probably at this point already started procuring those components for it, for those builds and uh, ramping up for it. So, I mean, and a lot of it, I'm sure they're trying to curtail off of their other volumes. So that could be something that's important to them, especially right now, if you're going to go exclusivity, yeah, your volumes are what get hurt the most. So that's really interesting. So hold on. Uh, nobody said anything about exclusivity. What are you talking about? What? Isn't that the direction that they're stating that they're going? I, I only heard that they're going to focus on their core market and they're going to focus on what makes money. Are you reading exclusivity out of that? I, I had seen some articles, and I know others that have been following this as well, are are suggesting that they're wanting to go a lot more exclusive with what they're going to be providing. So that means a drop in their volumes and making it more difficult for or having less of them on the showroom floor, at least. And I know that there was um, some statements online that uh, dealerships have already received that information. Now, a lot of that could be co related to covid as well but this was all the way through the end of the year and so i i'm reading into it as exclusive man i i've seen the same thing that they, they've warned dealers to expect limited numbers um and i in fairness i'm being the devil's advocate here but i, I read the same the same lines here that, that i think it's going to be that kind of a market now i don't think that's crazy i mean harley's already got their screaming eagle stuff Right, they've already got SNS cycle working with them to where if you want high end, high performance tuned engine components, part you know Harley's either got their own performance items in Screaming Eagle, or their partnered items that are kind of a step above with SNS. They've already moved in that direction a little bit. Where if you want an exclusive high performance or specialty Harley, you can get it from the dealer. So that's yeah, not that's out of their realm of norm. 
that's all high volume. When you really go exclusive and you reduce your production numbers and how many you're actually going to have on the showroom floor for for sales, that's gonna that's gonna change your whole vo- volume outlook. It's gonna change the price per unit as well potentially because you got to offset all of these things. So, you know, I know that people pay for their Harleys and that they'll pay a pretty penny at times. But I think that's the biggest concern that I have is how much are people willing to pay? Well, I mean, even currently, the uh, the highest and most optioned out CVO limited runs about $45,000. Well, and the average Harley is about $20,000. But how much is the average Indian? And it's probably relatively close, I'd say. But it how is much similar. is the average, you know, Kawasaki or Yamaha? And I know I'm going outside of the U.S., but still, those are some of the other places that people are selling through. I mean, BMW, those are pretty high. Well, I, I didn't look these figures up, but uh, they're kind of putting themselves in their own little class. And I think to some extent that's okay, and that's where they've always been. So that kind of goes back into your your uh, one of your points that you mentioned earlier what's that point regarding going back to their basics oh that's fair yeah and well and i going back to their core support and their core thing i mean they they did what they needed to do i think they needed to try to explore a little bit and try to go into some of these other markets and try not so much that they were going to ever take them over but show, for one, that Harley can do it, or they can partner with somebody that can. I mean, you had Buells, and sure, there was some that just ended up being crushed at the end of the day because Buell didn't like them. But there were others that were, you know, racing machines. And so he had the right partnership, and the right DNA was there for an awesome bike. And they've done well even in in racing in many avenues, including flat track so, so, I mean, Harley-Davidson has a lot of heritage that's very rich, and they could do well in a lot of these other areas, but they're never going to be the volume seller. And a lot of that's because they put a lot into their builds, a lot of quality and a lot of attention to detail. And maybe not, to, you know, everybody would agree that that's the highest level of detail, but anybody that owns a Harley knows that, or that's been around them knows that there's a lot of of nice parts that you can get. And the selection of components is there for anything that they produce, which is what makes it, I think, pretty desirable is you can go to town. You could draw, you could ride a brand new motorcycle off the showroom floor with all of the options that you could ever imagine thinking about and have it all on the same loan and be on the road later that day and go on a you know 3,000 mile motorcycle ride across the country. Be fully ready to go. No, no issues whatsoever. And I don't think that you can always do that with other manufacturers. Well, and even to that point, I've I've heard mentioned many times by guys that that focus heavily on the chopper world that you know if you do a metric chopper, you can you can skate by on work that is okay on garage work that maybe isn't fully professional or fully trained. It isn't perfect, but once you start doing custom Harley work. It's got to be right. People look. The, the the magnifying glass kicks up a notch when you're doing Harleys because of that. Because even from the showroom floor, you know, there there's a certain attention to detail that already exists. So, you you know, you don't pull off a, 
a plastic cap and put a chrome cap on and, and win because it was already a chrome cap coming from Harley. Right. You know, you've got to take it up another notch. And so that that's that's very true. I think that's very apparent, especially for anyone that's building choppers already knows what I'm saying. Um, in fact, that's where I got it from is those that build choppers. So it's, you know, it, it's a real market there. But I, I, I think it's interesting because you look at Harley and, and who are they at arm's width? I mean, if we look at Harley, what's their big competitor? As far as I'm concerned, it's Indian, right? That, that's their big competitor. I mean, hot, Honda makes choppers, Yamaha makes, you know, the stars. There are other cruisers and choppers out there. But Harley doesn't care about those. That is a different market. That is a different world. That is, I mean, I'm sure they care at some level, but that is not their. They're all stepping stones. They're stepping stones for them to, for those riders to move into a Harley. Because I think that a lot of the times, unless they decide that they want something other than a cruiser, that's the aspiration just without the budget for it initially, right? Because you can get into a, a cruiser. That is pretty nice. I'd say that they're they're decent for what they are for a few thousand dollars, and you could ride that for a few years and be pretty content. But it's never going to be a Harley, right? So that's what they're going to move into. I think you're right. Indians there. I think that Honda kind of has a little bit, but it's very niche. It's always kind of fighting a certain segment of what Harley has. And then there's BMW that's with their what is it the R18 that's coming in, that's wanting to kind of go at Harley a little bit with this very exclusive cruiser that they're working on as well. But it's still a little bit different. And it doesn't, I mean, there's a lot of talk of customizations and being able to get uh, a lot of different parts and make the bike what you want. But it's still so green that there's no real understanding of where that's going to go. And what the population is going to say about it. I think you're going to have BMW fans that are going to jump on board, but they're always going to have been jumping on board, right? So what about, you didn't even mention this, what about Triumph? Do you see them as a, as a competitor for them? Triumph, with the exception of the Rocket 3, has dropped their cruiser market. I mean, you can get the the small cruiser, the Speedmaster, you can get a couple of choices, but they they used to do the, uh, the Thunderbirds, they used to do the, the different models here, and they don't do that anymore. So Triumph well, is pure aesthetic settled they into kind of taken that to a different level as well. It's still a cruiser, but it's definitely kind of more towards a sport cruiser. And it's definitely very big. And, and it, I'd say it doesn't feel very heavy when you're sitting on it. And from what I've heard about riding it, but it is a heavy, heavy bike regardless. And there will be competitors within Harley that, you know, uh, bikes within the Harley's platform that, that do compete with it. But as a whole, I don't think Triumph is looking for that. They are definitely the, modern classic you know curve they are setting the curve for the bikes that have a classic look with modern technology and they're happy with that i mean you look at the bonnevilles they released that they had cruisers they had sport bikes they had the daytona they had multiple iterations of sport tours they kind of did the the big picture broad sweep of all the bikes and they stuck with what sells you know they've got their their naked street bikes and they've got their classic-looking, modern classic bikes. So they've that's what they're focusing what Harley on. is talking about doing. Yep, they've well, done Harley that on their level. Right. Now, different segment, but yeah, similar. Different segment and a little less exclusive if we look at that. So this is what I'm getting at, I guess, with Indian being, as far as I'm concerned, the biggest competitor for Harley in the same market, at least. You know, you look at that, and, and who owns Indian? 
you've got Polaris, who is very well known for good quality, good machines, but also very well known for being pretty cookie cutter mass produced. They are. But one thing that I would give Indian is that they have been innovating within the segment. And that's one thing that Harley kind of has done. But what they were really doing is innovating outside of their core segment. And so I think that this is a really good initiative for them to go back to their core. And I think that it could lead, if they do this right, to innovation within where their core competencies are. Well, and to your point, I mean, the Pan America was always intended to have a large displacement V-twin. You know, uh, the the Bronx was intended to be a big V-twin. They're not looking to go with a flat four or a triple or anything that's supposed to be a high revving. Well, you can't get rid of the Harley sound. And so they've got to be able to stick in that. And that is a core competency of them is their V-twins. And these are definitely new engines, right? We've, we've talked about that a little bit in the past. Yep. And anybody that's looked, read into it or looked at pictures even, it's not the same motor whatsoever. But uh, but it's probably similar enough. Now, I haven't ridden one. We haven't seen them. They're, I'm waiting. I'm excited to at least uh, check this out because they're kind of, they're a little, little bit different. But I just think that it, even within just their cruisers, just just their their core group of motorcycles that they sell, and I'm not talking just new uh, heads-up displays and such. I'm talking like innovations around a cruiser and what what it can be and what it has been for Harley and taking that to the next level. I just want to see that innovation. And I think that narrowing down their scope of what they're trying to handle, I think could lead to some pretty amazing things, especially if they keep some of the talent that's been interdispersed on some of these other projects like the Livewire and the Pan and, and all of these others. I just can see that they're, you know, especially with the exclusivity conversation, that they're looking to pull the the higher end version. I mean, we look at some other companies. You already mentioned Buell. Buell was very much an, an exclusive low volume manufacturer. You look at, you know, uh, there's some in the South that have existed. There's the Confederate bikes. That are, you know, they go for 40, 50 or more, depending on how high end. Some of them are seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000. You know, you've got Arch motorcycles. You've got a handful of these exclusive, super low volume, you know, let's call them Ferraris of the U.S. motorcycle market. Um, but, you know, there's still room, especially in the cruiser world, for the, you know, the maybe mid to high end bike. And I think Harley sees that, 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 Indians coming in and they're having, you know, factory customs and there's aftermarket customer or custom parts available, but they're basically producing mass producing cookie cutter bikes that meet the middle of the spectrum. They're kind of mid mid grade bikes with a handful of high end options or a handful of high end pieces on them. And I think Harley, as far as it looks like, is going to pick their bread and butter bikes. They're going to have their three, four engine configurations. And they're going to make high-end, high-quality bikes. i got to assume the Sportster will exist. And they'll still have their quote-unquote entry Harley. Or you can get a lower-cost 1200cc with kind of that Indian level of, of finish where you've got that mid, mid-range mid with some high-end additions to it. But I think we're going to see Harley really show up as the pinnacle of chopper, cruiser, touring world. Yeah, I think that that's that's fair, and but and just going back to what that innovation means is when I've stated this, 
is it allows them to actually take those bikes to the next level because leaving them where they are and going exclusive, although it may work, I think it would be exciting if they could also cater towards this high end. Yeah, we used to do this and we still do it. And and now you can have this and this is what we've taken it into and you can't get it anywhere else. Yeah, the volumes are are relatively low, but when you buy a Harley, you get a Harley, and it is going to be the talk of the neighborhood. Well, and that only you know that that trickles down, I guess, is what I want to say. That you look at that, and even now you look at exclusive bikes. I mean, let's talk about the the Triumph Factory Customs. Those TFC bikes released, and a year later, they're worth five grand more than someone paid for them. You know, the Rocket Three's gone that way. A couple of the Thruxton options have gone that way. Otherwise, they hold their value. I mean, even the Anniversary Edition Yamaha Triple XSR Anniversary Editions hold their value very well. We're going to see the used Harley market really be, you know, that that high-end used market where people are hunting for these bikes. There's less available. That increases value. And, of course, an increased used market value increases your new market value. So I really think... Well, I would argue that they're kind of already in that boat. I mean, you look online, you don't find you know, cheap Harleys, right? I mean, you can find some sportsters out there, relatively low prices, depending on how bare bones it is. But a lot of the bikes that you find are relatively cheap have a ton of miles on them. Yeah, that's true. And well, and I think that to that point, we're going to really see that Harley, to your point, is going to have to be maybe not necessarily innovative. They're going to have to at some level innovate. But they're going to have to as well really produce not just visual quality, but something that people will be willing to spend a lot of money in the used market knowing, hey, it's going to last. I can get 100,000 miles out of this bike. And so, you know, they're moving in that direction already. Government regulation is requiring certain, you know, cooling requirements and things that will help really increase your ability to maintain ideal temperature and your ability to kind of add to those reliability requirements in an engine. A lot of people engine. resist liquid cool, though, man. That's been that's a big debate. Big debate for Harley riders is going from air-cooled to liquid-cooled. Well, and that's fine. And if you're willing to add a, an extra $5,000 into the cost, you can set up an oil-cooled management system. You can set up a system such that you're pumping enough oil, you are pumping enough air, you know, maybe not pumping, but creating an airflow path that does the same job. It is not impossible. It is not a a task that isn't doable. But if you want that and you want to continue being, you know, the pinnacle of air-cooled V-twin power and noise, <laughs> then it is going to cost more. And if Harley is really going that route of exclusivity, I, they're they're going to be able to charge more. They're going to be able to maintain that that quality and maintain that reliability and I have to assume if you're going exclusive, but you still want dealers, you're going to be increasing your volume of community. I have to assume that this is going to have an effect beyond the bikes themselves. Yeah, it's a tough balancing act because we talk about increasing reliability. And for the most part, I think that they're, they're pretty reliable, but they, they, they have their little quirks and things that you, ha- you still have to do your regular maintenance, right? But if you decrease your volume in that regard over what you're selling, then you have less bikes coming in, which means that maintenance costs go up. 
And if less people are coming in for that maintenance, then your shop sizes decrease, which we've already talked about the showroom sizes are likely going to decrease accordingly regardless. But a lot of companies make a good amount of money that helps them keep the doors open by doing service, that that's really critical. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of an effect this is going to have on um, on our establishments and how many are actually going to end up hitting the dust, man. I think there's a, a bit of that that it's going to definitely cut into the bottom line for, uh, you know, for your dealers. But are they just going to change the business model, right? Is it going to be more of a, a lounge, a hangout? Are they going to have events that maybe aren't necessarily free? You now have to pay to play on some of these, or by owning a Harley, you do get to pay to play already if you bought from them, right? If you bought a Harley from me, you are part of the group. If you did not, here's your fee, and you can join us on all these events or wrench sessions or whatever it is that we add to you know, the repertoire of, of what the shop does. I can see this being a, you know, almost a game changer in how a motorcycle dealership, or at least a factory dealership, functions. Yeah, I can't remember if it was one of our lost episodes where we talked about what dealerships could be doing to kind of cater to new new culture and being able to really advocate for the community and get more people excited about going and checking out bikes and having exclusive shops that they take their motorcycles to. But I think a lot, a lot of this kind of ties into that and how critical that's going to be moving forward especially with everything kind of going on the way it is right now where everybody has to be apart. How do you bring people back together when, when things are back to whatever normal is going to be, but bring people together and in place and, and just have something that is really special that people look forward to and just go and hang out and check things out. And I think that club environment is going to be crucial. So I think that's a good point. And I, you know, Harley's done a good job of, of prepping for that. You know, they've got their their little electric starter bikes for kids. They've got their little, um, you know, their little balance bikes. They've got some electric uh, mountain bikes that they're releasing. They've got the live wire. They've got, you know, they've got a handful of little things that are already released, done, ready to be purchased that aren't, you know, big bikes that are going to take up a ton of space in the floor that, would make a more family-friendly environment. They are setting it up such that there are bikes for everyone in the family, including your three-year-old. Yeah, but I you don't know, know how they, many of those are going to stick around, though. That's my concern. I think they're going to be valuable. I think buying one of those right now, based on the direction the company is taking, could be a really good investment 10 to 20 years down the road for resale. Because of how low the volumes are going to be on those, I think the live wire is not going to really drop in price as long as it keeps maintained, you keep the batteries good, you do what you're supposed to be doing on it. But I, I think based on what I'm hearing, I'm kind of concerned that that stuff's going away. I don't know that they're going to keep going down that route if they're focusing on their core. It's not bicycles anymore. That was something way in the past. And yes, they've had them. But I mean, it has a cool factor and I get what you're saying, but I just don't know if they're going to stick around. I think that's going to be their saving grace is the branding at a young age of keeping Harley relevant from, you know, well, you can buy those striders that are generic and, and whatever, or you can get the Harley Davidson version that has an electric motor and goes for you where you don't need a hill to practice learning how to ride a, a bicycle, right? Before you can pedal a bike, you can get a Harley Davidson. I think that's going to go a long way for them as they're trying to adjust. 
and keep people interested in owning a $50,000 bike, I think you have to have that desire from a young age where from four years old up, you said, hey, I want a Harley. I think we could debate on this for a long time. And it just really depends on what the CEOs are going to be willing to do. You, you had one that left that had had a vision. He was walking down it. And that's a lot of what we're talking about right now is that old vision. What's this new vision? And I can't wait for it to unfold because I have a feeling that it's going to surprise us. It's probably going to make us scratch our heads a little bit, but I think it's going to be a really good thing. It's just how is this going to play out? And, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think uh, there's a good chance it keeps Harley in the game, uh, at least back in the profitable margins where their sales are increasing. And I hope that that's the case because I, you know, as much as I'm not necessarily someone with five Harleys in the garage or a Harley on my short list, I don't want Harley to go away because it is on my list. I do love Harleys. I do think they're awesome. Uh, you know, I'd love to own one. And so the idea that, you know, that Harley disappears is just hard to swallow for me. That's a pill I don't want to swallow. And I hope this works and keeps them in business. Yeah, you're going to have to buy one now or you're going to end up paying a fortune later. And that's all right. You know what I mean? If that's the retirement bike or if that's the, hey, I've made it bike. Or if I'm just looking in the used market for somebody's, you know, secondhand version of what they were able to afford. I have no problems with that. I think there's yeah, something to be said that about all those prices are going to go up. You start reducing the number of bikes that you have, the price of the used market goes up. All of it goes across the board. So if you're looking at a Harley, it might not be a bad idea to purchase one in the near future when when it makes sense for you, obviously. But uh, I, I think that if, if even if they were to go away in general, let's say that they just bombed out. Harley motorcycles are going to be something that are going to be, they're going to hold the value and they're just going to go up in value if they become that rare. I think we all need to go get a little Street 500. Hide it in our garage. Okay, let's go get them. <laughs> Did you get yours yet? None, uh, not yet. We got to no. wait till the stores open up. Okay. But uh, nonetheless, appreciate everybody listening in. Thanks for joining with us. Uh, appreciate you coming in for this longer, uh, longer discussion here this week. Check us out on Facebook. Check out our Patreon page. And, of course, you can catch us anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Share with your friends. Rate and review. Uh, And we're continuing to move forward and kind of moving into this stage where we can add some additional content to what we do. So thank you so much. And we look forward to chatting with you next week. Until next time, ride on. Mm -hmm.